Welcome to the Hemp Empowerment Project. We are your hosts, Anthony and Nicole Lucido. Our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the cannabis industry and how it can benefit your life. Helping veterans learn about alternative medicine is a very important job. Aaron Rays, a horticulture science graduate from the University of Florida, is doing just that as he helps develop a nonprofit called Karma Corp. So when you were looking at colleges to attend, Aaron, did you ever think that you're going to be in the hemp space after you graduated? Uh, actually, not at all. When I initially went to college, I had a plan of being in pharmacy school. But that quickly turned around the first day of college when I had to change my uh, choose my major. And um, it was a pretty drastic change for me thinking I would be in pharmacy being that regular kind of orthodox career path. And then I realized I didn't want to be a regular pill pusher just behind any counter. So I was actually inspired to go into horticultural science is what I got my degree in by uh, one sentence, which was pretty funny. Uh, the advisor asking me, oh, what do you want to do? Why don't you do horticulture? Because I chose it as my minor. I was like, I don't really want to be a farmer hoeing the field at six in the morning. <laughs> that just doesn't seem appealing to me. And then she said, okay, well, <clears throat> let me give you this scenario. She said, okay do you eat? And I was like, yes. And, uh, and she said, do I eat? And I was like, yes. By 2050, are you going to be the one starving or the one feeding yourself? And I was like, Ooh, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty right on that. But I still responded with, I still don't want to be a farmer hoeing the land at six in the morning. And then she said, okay, but out of any plant, if you had to grow one, what would you grow? And then I thought in my head, I was like, I'd grow cannabis. So that kind of sparked my, oh, I've, I kind of already had an interest in cannabis, but didn't think of it to pursue it as an actual career. So that kind of propelled my journey into the cannabis space. Awesome. Yeah. And there's so much opportunity now. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, it's definitely growing. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I think what today the UN just had decriminalized. Cannabis. Mm -hmm. I just read about that. It's amazing. Yeah. Slowly, but surely. Yeah. And we're on our way in the U.S. So <laughs> Yeah, it's a slow process, but one state at a time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. And positive changes can only, you know, lead to positive changes. So, mm -hmm. so you know, you're in Florida and after you graduated, how was, how was the cannabis space in Florida and how did you get into, I don't, I don't know, like the horticulture side of it? Okay. Uh, well, I graduated last December. Okay. So going into this new year was a complete shock with how the virus turned out. Mm -hmm. So kind of all the opportunities I had laid out for myself kind of diminished with the impending pandemic. So I was kind of left amiss with what to do with my time, especially trying to become someone in the cannabis space. For a good majority of the year, I was pretty much just applying to positions, trying to figure out how I can use the skills that I learned at my university and apply it to this cannabis space. And to no avail, I couldn't get a bite out of any of the industries or any of the companies here in Florida. But I was lucky enough to um, basically cold call uh, this person. His name is uh, Josh Lenny. He's actually the founder of the nonprofit I'm a part of. <clears throat> and he's, um, he started it this year and um, he was his mission was basically to educate veterans on alternative medicine and how to cultivate cannabis to be self-sufficient. And I'm like, 
I have nothing to do right now. And I know how to cultivate cannabis and he has no cannabis knowledge. So we kind of like came together to um, start uh, putting his dream into a reality. So within the span of two months knowing him, we were able to acquire a farmer, a veteran farmer who was interested in um, growing hemp. So uh, using our knowledge and his land, we were like, okay, let's do two acres. We were able to get everything donated, everything situated for the project. And we started our hemp journey there. Awesome. That's great. Did you guys have an opportunity to, to grow any hemp this year or? That was, uh, yeah, we did. Um, we grew two acres out, outdoor hemp, but unfortunately I grew two acres last year with the university of Florida for their pilot program. And that ended up in a complete disaster and I knew exactly how to not grow hemp. So I gave all <laughs> that information <laughs> to the, to the farmer but unfortunately, he um, didn't heed my warning. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm-hmm. He kind of did everything I told him not to do and then um, kind of redacted any information that was necessary for his success. And the two-acre grow was supposed to be harvested last month, but it was um, deemed unusable and we sent it for destruction. So it was uh, pretty, pretty heartbreaking to destroy 4,200 plants. Yeah, absolutely. Was it, Mm -hmm. did they end up testing hot? Uh, They didn't survive. It's the issue with Florida is we have sporadic rain and heavy rain. And that's what the issue was last year when I grew it is the amount of rain causes the plants to essentially drown. So the two acres was kind of a rice field three weeks after planting. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of led into disaster. But on the upside, we were able to work with another um, another individual who, um, if you've ever heard of Bob's Blueberries, he was one of the biggest producers of blueberries since like 2010. Like he capitalized on 8% of blueberry market. Wow. He had a vacant facility and he heard about our story and decided to let us use it. So we retrofitted a 10,000 square foot um, grow facility. Uh, blueberry processing facility into an indoor growth space. And that's what we're currently growing out of now. Oh, that's amazing. Can you, uh, can you share with us more about KarmaCore and what the, the mission, the vision of KarmaCore is? Yeah. So I, myself as a civilian, I have no um, experience in the military, but I do have a brother who was in the military. And then just the experience with how um, the military treats their veterans post um, being in the military is unfortunate. I hear all of these stories with all the veterans I meet about how many bags of uh, opioids or painkillers that are given from the VA Like, oh, you have an issue? We'll just give you uh, more opioids to help your problem, which will actually just make it worse and cause an addiction. It's just so heartbreaking to see how that cycle continues within within the VA and those people really need it. So um, with Josh's mission, he wanted to basically create a culture around learning and understanding cannabis for these veterans so they know they're not alone. They can understand oh, there's an alternative. He started off with CBD and then, you know, eventually got into THC when Florida legalized and it changed his life from being an opioid addict into free Mm -hmm. from opioids and pain using one plant. 
So that that's honestly fascinating. And being able to tell that story to other veterans and have them make the change to go from opioids to alternative medicines to really help them progress through their life rather than being stagnated is what is honestly beautiful about this mission. Yeah, that's amazing because we know that opiate addiction is just terrible. And these mm. poor men and women that are serving her just sounds like just they've got this endless mm-hmm. supply uh, to these to these opioids. Yeah, we have a solution. Yeah, it's unfortunate because when when they're um, taking cannabis and it's actually helping their issues, they're labeled by the VA as a dependent drug user, and they're redacted from a lot of VA benefits. And that's so unfortunate, even though there's medical studies stating that it helps various issues they're still labeled as a drug user rather than the opioids that they take. Yeah. It's a complete disservice to our, to our veterans because they, mm-hmm. deserve, they deserve a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Do you, do you do, do you do any trainings or classes for the veterans through your uh, organization? Yeah. So the, all of our grows are completely veteran manned. So we don't have any employees for our um, grow because we bootstrapped every single one of these grows. We were lucky enough to have people donate machinery, donate uh, 4,000 plants. It's wow. we, um, we partnered with a nursery who's also a veteran who was like, I will help you with your mission. And we kind of propelled that. And we basically um, project our mission onto Facebook and get anyone and everyone interested that wants to come by our facility, which is completely open to the public, to come in, destigmatize what they know or what they assume cannabis is, and learn for themselves that this is literally the plant that could help you with whatever issue you're facing, or at least try to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Now, where's this? Where's your operation at in Florida? It's in Hudson, Florida. Okay. Awesome. Now, what are the laws right now kind of in that you said that uh, Florida does authorize THC use? Mm-hmm. Are you finding a lot of um, kind of hurdles to jump over? In, in- oh, yeah, 100%. So like Florida is the only state out of all 50 that requires any cannabis production to be vertically integrated. So if you're trying to cultivate THC cannabis, you have to have a method of growing, extracting, analyzing, and post-production processing all in-house. And plus you have to play, you have to like pay the ridiculous amount for the licensing. So, you know, any normal person in Florida couldn't do that, especially, which is unfortunate because Florida is an agricultural state with many farmers. And what was crazy is that um, so the farm bill was legalized in 2018, allowing everyone to basically grow hemp. So that's the kind of um, projected path we decided to go to since we can cultivate hemp, which is essentially the same plant. That's our way into understanding cannabis cultivation within the state of Florida. So that was uh, pretty exciting for us. And um, we were working directly with, um, we were um, talking directly with the medical marijuana commissioner of Florida and there were like 492 permits, but within this year alone, I think only 12 were being actively used. Mm -hmm. So it's insane to see that there's such a discrepancy with the amount of potential use versus the knowledge and applicability, which is smart because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and drown all your plants in the middle of a field. (laughs) (laughs) And you said that the the licensing fees are expensive. What kind of uh, 
dollar amount are you we looking at here? So for it's completely free to get a hemp permit. So mm-hmm. you just have to at least have land zoned for uh, agricultural or industrial use. But for a THC, um, basically marijuana contract or a permit, it's something ridiculous just to get your name in line because there's already many companies in line trying to get their um, hands in the Florida space. But I couldn't give you a dollar amount as I'm not completely sure about that. Okay, perfect. Now I was looking at your website and you have um, two different programs that you that you spearhead with your veterans. Can you share about those programs with us? The what uh, the Operation Go and Omega. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so um, the Operation Go was the initial pro. Uh, Initial, the first real uh, grow that we had, which was in uh, Hudson, Florida. Not mm-hmm. Hudson, yeah, Hudson. It was an outdoor grow, and um, it was initially a hay farm. So we had the farmer really excited to grow cannabis, and we were like, there's literally no overhead cost for you besides working the field because we will provide everything. We provide nutrients. We provided um, clones simply through the donations of others. And that project was projected to be really well done. But deep in my head, I was like, this is kind of suspicious because the exact same issues that I'm thinking is going to happen might happen in this scenario growing cannabis outside. And it it did unfortunately happen. And I gave the former as many warnings as possible, but he, I, I was lucky enough to get him to only grow two acres. He was wanting to do his whole 20 acres. And I just wow. was going to tell him, I did not want to be responsible for that amount of acreage loss. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's a huge risk. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's why um, in the middle of that project, we were able to acquire that uh, blueberry facility and retrofit it into um, a grow facility. And it was amazing. We pretty much used, plywood and um plaster wrap to make individual grow rooms to really situate vegetative states because we basically it's a 10,000 square foot facility so we're trying to um teach veterans how to do every step of the process within the cannabis space we eventually want to get an extraction machine there to um teach them that process because you know growing plants are cool but not everyone has that same interest Mm-hmm. So giving them that exposure is um, going to help them. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different opportunities too for those guys, whether that'd be marketing. If somebody's interested <coughs> in marketing, you're going to mm-hmm. market to other veterans you know, or get more people involved yeah. in, in that space. So are you finding, because you did say, because it is a nonprofit, is it easier to deal with the state? Oh, yes, 100%. Because, you know, you, I feel like veterans is the only aspect of the cannabis space people are willing to overlook and think, oh, this is a really cool cause I want to be a part of. Thinking, you know, cannabis for children, although, you know, children have seizures and stuff, that's not necessarily the image, the public image you'd want to see in cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of the stigma, you know, that's mm-hmm. been set for so many years ago. Now yes, this, exactly. this grow that you're doing in this blueberry facility, do you, you said you're looking to maybe do extraction in the future. Are you doing any processing? Um, 
Well, we do have a partner um, in South Florida that does um, large-scale supercritical fluid extraction. So mm-hmm. that was our basically our end goal because our goal right now is to uh, produce uh, high-quality smokable flour, but you know not all the buds are going to get up to that qual- quality. So that's our scapegoat essentially. And, you know, having an in-house extraction machine is quite a pretty penny. So <laughs> we haven't become profitable yet. So this is our, this is literally the first year of this being manifested. And have you, have any of the veterans that have been part of the program so far had any type of wonderful, positive um, changes in their lives because of this? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I always hear veterans uh, who get who become part of our program and come by our facility to learn, uh, express that they've always felt alone trying, trying to deal with their own issues and thinking, Oh, I have these issues. I have to overcome it myself. I was in the military. I have to be tough, but honestly, everyone is human. And we were building this community of people to feel like they belong somewhere. And it's quite amazing to see the turnaround in people's perspective of their outlook on life. Like we've had, we've brought veterans all the way from Tallahassee just to go to our grow and we just situate them there, see how they like it and then go from there. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's so amazing. What do you, you know, what does this nonprofit look like in the future? What are your, what are your goals? Uh, I think I can see this uh, nonprofit really battling the, the closed system of Florida, because as, as I told you, it's a vertically integrated system. And if you're going to prohibit any of the agricultural farmers in Florida from growing hemp or cannabis, that that's simply unfair. So basically, we want to educate as many farmers and individuals as possible that want to grow this themselves. So when it comes time, we can push the envelope to Congress to really open up the state to give the small small farmers a chance to be part of this amazing industry. Yeah. And that, that vertical and vertical integration system they have there really just sets the farmers up for failure. It doesn't even give them Mm -hmm. an opportunity to really grow because as we talked about the machinery alone to process or extract any of any hemp in any way is really expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it also negatively affects the legal, uh, THC market here as well. It's like, I also work for a dispensary uh, as a part-time job and I can see the quality of flour across all of the dispensaries being limited to the fact that they can only grow it in Florida. They can only process themselves. It's, it's kind of insane how that whole process works with the legal market. Yep. So now let's go back to the plants. Are you doing kind of any genetic um, where you're changing the genetics of the plants to try to find what's working best for you in Florida or? Uh, that, that is our goal. We are starting off with five genetics right now, just pretty much seeing what we can grow as we, we were trying to grow outdoors and that was super unsuccessful. And since we're growing in a controlled environment, we have a lot more ability to see what progresses better and, having the we're basically building out this grow as the plants are growing in it so having that kind of data is pretty skewed like with half the room in hps and half the room in led we're not going to give an accurate representation of what's possible and with the kind of setup we have we're pretty much just monitoring if this is a plausible way to grow cannabis for the normal grower 
absolutely. And are, are you doing any testing on the terpenes or the cannabinoids mm -hmm. and, and discovering different ones that are helping some, some ailments, some ailments more than other ailments? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, we were gifted uh, a Gemicert, which is a cannabis analysis device, basically. So we were able to take the buds off the plants and quite literally see the percentage content of THC and CBD, which is a huge uh, saving for us rather than having to outsource a lab to analyze it for us. We're, all, uh, we're, we're helping labs, veteran-owned labs, become ISO certified by having them test our product and seeing and having them develop their own testing methods. We haven't focused on the specific terpenes or the cannabinoid profiles to really suit a medicinal um, regimen for the average person, but we'd like to see to do that in the future. So you're really, so not only are you helping individual veterans by coming into your, your nonprofit association and, and working and doing different things there, but you're also connecting with different veterans organizations out there to bring everybody together full circle. Yes, most definitely. Because, you know, the more connections you have within this industry, the stronger your um, individual growth can be because this industry is birthed from the black market and yeah. having as many trustworthy people in it is essential. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you see what kind of opportunities do you see for somebody maybe that's going to college or is an entrepreneur and wants to jump into the business? Uh, yeah, that is the, the tricky situation there. Cause, um, when I was in college, I pre pretty much got as best opportunities I could to be a great candidate for this industry. I worked with the USDA. I helped uh, initialized the hemp pilot program for Florida. I was a student um, analyzing cannabinoids for state uh, mandated products and doing trial testings with animals and seeing, oh, this is pretty much all encompassing all aspects of cannabis production and processing. So I thought I had a pretty good grasp of the cannabis industry and then going out of college with the amount of experience and internships I had, I had no luck in getting into the cannabis space at all. So it was pretty disheartening trying to participate in an industry you think you're well qualified for, but essentially are treated as just a trimmer. That was really the only thing I was getting contacted for. And I'm like, this is not how I envisioned myself into the industry. And I noticed a few of my friends who were working with these companies um, see their passion for the industry die simply due to the fact that a lot of nepotism and mm. uh, miscommunication within the industry is destroying the essential mission of it is to provide medicine. So that was kind of my whole first half of this year, kind of trying to overcome, trying to pivot into a stable direction within this industry or not in this industry. But being part of this uh, nonprofit have, gives me like a grasp onto something that, oh yeah, I'm in the cannabis space. I'm understanding it through the progression of Florida, but also it's a slow start. <laughs> well, and you know, something to, something to praise yourself for is that, you know, yeah, it may have been tough in the beginning, but now you're with this nonprofit that's doing some awesome and amazing things and you're providing so much value that you should be so very proud of that because maybe that was, you know, your path for this go around and 
I mean, do you think that maybe it was tough getting in because of all the, you know, all the funky things happening in Florida and maybe in a different state, it might be different or? Uh, I mean, I definitely think it was the accumulation of the pandemic and Mm -hmm. how restricted the industry is in Florida. Like I didn't necessarily want to go out in Colorado and be a grower there as like, that's a completely different climate I've never had experience in. (laughs) And that's an incredibly saturated market. And understanding the way cannabis grows, Florida is the new booming industry within the cannabis space. So I'd hope to capitalize on that. But the way that legalization progresses through the state and how slow everything is, it kind of culminated into stagnation when I graduated. Now, does this uh, nonprofit do any lobbying at the state level? Uh, We do have uh, friends who help with the legalization or lobbying within that the state but personally we don't involve ourselves in that but they are involved within our organization so okay 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 that's great and uh you know what were some challenges you faced whenever you start with starting a nonprofit? I mean, you said it was kind of easy but I know sometimes starting nonprofits can have some little hiccups here and there uh, yeah. So when I first jumped onto this project with uh, Josh, he, he basically was for, I think, one or two years just going to dispensaries, talking about this mission of educating veterans, trying to create a space for veterans to understand and cultivate cannabis. But during the restriction of the farm bill, there, that wasn't possible. So when that farm bill was released and anyone could become a hemp grower, the main mission was to find someone who was willing enough to do that. So when I came along, I already had the knowledge of cannabis growth in Florida. So having that kind of accountability to tell the farmer, this is exactly what you shouldn't do, kind of tells gives them the confidence that, oh, I'm willing to try this. And having the connections, which was super essential for the success of this um nonprofit with the donations of clones and soil and um, volunteers, we were able to do uh, an initial successful planting, but not in a successful grow. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's, it's going well now, right? Yeah, most definitely. So what are your, what are your goals or dreams for your place in the cannabis industry in the future? Um, being part of this industry and seeing different aspects of it from extraction and growing, I realized that I myself love the plant growing it, but I can't, I don't see myself being a grower. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, uh, you know, the CBD boom is super, super saturated. Like, Oh, that's awesome that people are being healed through CBD. And I'd love to be part of that, but that's not something I could capture in a niche. I'd love to see myself really encapsulate what was lost in our history, which was um, hemp textiles. Mm -hmm. That's what I'd want to eventually venture out into in an entrepreneurial way to revitalize the hemp textile industry, bring back um, hemp, hemp textile use, because I recently watched a documentary about how insane fast fashion destroys our oceans with the fact that there's so much pollution with, textiles so that's mm-hmm. something i'm very interested in yeah that's awesome yeah th- we've lost so much history 
in the last 80 years and textiles used to be one of those, one of those big things that we did mm-hmm. growing the plants for it. We were making all kinds of things. Exactly. And it's kind of unfortunate because um, we, we were donated six tons of hemp biomass and I contacted a lot of companies in Florida or paper manufacturing companies in Florida to see, I will donate this to you if you want to do some R and D with us but no one wants to touch hemp textiles. I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah. Well, hope you know, eventually we'll get over that hurdle mm-hmm. slow, but, you know, cause there's some other people in other places that are really interested in doing that. So, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I asked you what your goal was, but, but really if money were not an issue for you, what hemp business or cannabis business would you spearhead in the future? I would like to uh, spearhead a uh, basically a clothing brand related into hemp textiles because uh, the way hemp textiles was portrayed in our history and the research I've done on it, it's an amazing fabric that is most most definitely durable. It reduces waste from growing it and being in or like making it into paper. That's amazing because it you don't have to wait for a tree to grow six months and that's it and you cut it up make it into paper it's it's kind of insane that that kind of industry has just been lost in our history and mm-hmm. i'd love to see revitalization and pretty much a sustainable future through hemp nice so aaron can you share with us share with our listener where people can find you like social media your website yeah so you can uh, find this organization it's called karma corpse uh it's just one word on facebook it's uh you'll see a green symbol it's pretty noticeable you can find me i'm on facebook you can follow me on instagram at it's underscore aa.ron okay i'm always happy to help anyone curious about the cannabis industry or anyone in florida who wants to get involved within a program Wonderful. Well, that's awesome. Well, big shout out to Aaron for what he's done, how the first day he went into college completely changed where he's at today. (laughs) Uh, We really appreciate what he's doing for the veterans and just for this planet. We appreciate our listener tuning in to the Hemp Empowerment Project, where our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can change your life. Please subscribe to this podcast so you're always in the know.